If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, he enfolds in himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Return to your rest once more, O oh my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. There are those things that God says, I will not at this point take you around it or over it or under it, but I will take you through it. His grace is sufficient. His grace is made perfect in weakness. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson, one of Pastor Evenson's sons. It is estimated that over his 60 plus years in active ministry, my father delivered over 5,000 sermons and presided over probably a thousand weddings and funerals. We have been able to obtain just a fraction of those messages and wanted to share them with you all. These messages were primarily on cassettes or CDs. The first few recordings would not be considered good quality audio, but they do get better, and we were determined to play these messages in chronological order and play them all. It did not seem right not to share each and every one of them since they are all very meaningful. And of course, being the son of a stubborn Norwegian, I am going to be steadfast in our mission of getting all of them out on these podcasts in spite of the recording quality. We hope you will bear with us and be patient as the podcasts continue, the quality of the recordings will as well. Today's sermon is one he delivered just two days after my mother's funeral, July 12, 1987. It was remarkable that he even wanted to take the pulpit at all that Sunday, but to deliver the message he delivered with such poise and eloquence is memorable for everyone who was there that Sunday. It took courage to stand up before hundreds of people and share his pain and loss with those who were also mourning my mother's death. But my question as someone who has had to prepare a talk or two, when did he have time to prep? My mother had been in hospice for more than a week before she died, in a coma starting July 2nd. She passed away on Wednesday, July 7th, Funeral arrangements needed to be made on Thursday, along with a tribute service that night for my mother that went into the wee hours. Friday is the funeral, which included a long drive to southern Minnesota for the burial. How did he have the emotional and physical stamina and focus to pen his sermon? Our recording time suggests that he even went longer than usual that day, although again, the quality of this recording might have something to do with the length. I'd be curious to know if anyone remembers how exceptionally long it was, because I do not. It is one of those sermons people talk about a great deal, so we wanted to kick off this series of podcasts with Pastor Leland Evenson's sermon from July 12, 1987. On today, what would have been his 90th birthday, March 22, 2023. Our great editors and techs have done a fabulous job of giving us this very old cassette recording for today's podcast. 
Here is Pastor Lee Evenson at Vision of Glory Lutheran Church. You have to forgive me this morning. If I look over in this direction, water in the other. Is that what my number fan is? that. Number one thing. I can't quite believe <laughs> that she's left. So if I glance over here, peering intently, please understand. Understand here, it didn't probably take me twice as long as normal because I don't know how much time of silence, but it's something I had to do. <clears throat> to let you know I'm all right. But the shepherd is okay. That everything will be all right. My daughter Tana gave this to her mother. Little did I realize how important it would be. Dear little Tana, who wears a petite number two, but whose heart is much bigger in proportion, who has a sensitivity for the needs that are in our lives and have been even more so over the last six months with both her and her husband. Trying to get four dads straight in the way. Yesterday she worked hard organizing, prioritizing, doing all the things that Miriam did. She knows her dad well, that he is not too organized. So her and her way, her love, tried at least to get me off on the right foot. Glad that, that I have my children, that I have a beautiful daughter who's beautiful on the inside as well as the outside, like my wife, and so that in the years to come, as many years as the Lord gives me, somehow I can still be reflected. Her that beauty, same stubborn perseverance seems to be in her, same skill. So I thank the Lord for my three wonderful children, for my adopted son-in-law. When she went to the hospital, she could care less about gowns and how she looked, makeup kits, usually ultimately gets a kid along with toothbrush. First thing she wanted to pack was her Bible and her little factory, cradled in the palm of his hand. I will not forget you. I have carved you on the palm of my hand. That's what she took. She realized that what was really important in going to the hospital was not the color of a gown and that it would go with the decor of the room. But she was going to fight the good fight, to go to battle, to go to war. 
We read in our gospel text, there's one who's out to destroy us, to destroy our soul, to destroy the very lives and love for the Lord and our trust in him. So this is what he took. Reminded that always reminded me of Bob Johnson's mother who uh, when Phil was here, the grandson, we would we went to pray for her when she was going to have cancer surgery. As we were about to pray, a nurse came in with some blood that she needed because the surgery was that very day and her blood needed to be built up. And Mrs. Johnson said, I'm sorry you're going to have to go now. These men are going to pray with you. He understood in a way that I didn't at that point, but probably do more so now that for her at that moment, Prayer and the reality of the power of the presence of the Lord was even more important than getting blood. The life blood needed to be flowing through her. So she took. Every time she went, and she would put that in a place so she woke up in the middle of the night, she would be reminded her position where she could nestle and not have to wrestle and struggle. I will wrestle no more. The amazing verse that we often went back to, the verse that we were both given early one morning after her first surgery, a couple weeks, or while she was in the hospital recovering, that verse in, in the Psalms where we lived for these last two years, return to your rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. I got it here, she got it there, same verse, same day. What are the odds of that, except by the Holy Spirit? We went back, returned to your rest, and this is where she rested. This is where she lived. What do you carry into each day? What do you carry into the warfare against one who is trying to destroy your very life, your very love, your relationship with the Lord, and maybe probably your relationship with others around you in your own home? and in the community, and the body of Christ. She didn't always literally carry the word, but she carried the living word. We were coming into the East Rockies and into that national park, and uh, we were wondering about a place to stay, because as we were outside the park, we didn't see really any motel. Don't sweat it. <clears throat> but I did. We got to this huge, beautiful old lodge and there were cars all over the place. And I learned later he had the right for reservation months ahead of time. And so I dropped her off, breathing a prayer, Lord, I'm tired. We need a place to stay. Came back out smiling, not too much later. They had one room. Five minutes earlier, it wouldn't have been there. Five minutes later, or two minutes later, it would have been gone. Somehow she had that sense. Someone else is in charge. If someone keeps track of us, someone numbers the very hair of our head. She carries a living word. And because she carried a living word, she was, as you heard, if you were here Thursday night, she was a woman of integrity. What you see was what she was. When we closed the door at 117 Union Terrace, I assure you, she was the same loving sense of humor encouraging kind of person as she was in public. No friends, no false piety. Simply reflected the light and the love of the Lord in her wherever she was, and certainly probably even more so with those in her own family at home. She took 
the forgiving word with her. I remember early in our marriage when we'd have our tip, which became less and less till the last few years. I can hardly remember any. But in those first years, there was some sandpapering, and I remember going to bed, not taking the advice of Paul to not let the sun go down on my anger, and I was later suing and fretting and trying to think of some awful thing I could say the next morning when we got up. Now I've heard he slept like a kitty. By the next morning, she was ready to live today and not living in yesterday. How oh, she had that sense of the living word, the forgiving word. No grudges, no time, no energy to waste on that. We live life day by day. As her brother reminded us the other night, that he often saw the dark and the gloomy, and he always saw the things in each day to rejoice in and to praise God for. There was an encouraging word that she always gave. I remember it well, the day when I was in tears and I called over to Berkeley School. I was in a deep crisis and wondering if anybody was my friend anymore, if anybody loved me, and I called up. And she somehow found somebody to come and to take over the room. We went and we had lunch in Perkins and Golden Valley, and she says, everything's going to be all right. Don't sweat the small stuff. Remember, remember where you are meant to live. The word of blessing. She carried the living word of blessing. Always, always. Maggie. Maggie needs to take more time to be off, to relax, to play golf, to go hunt, to go fish. Never once, never once can I remember any sense of grudging me that time. But all hers is trying to see it all in perspective and sending me with a word of blessing. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. The words of love, taking in beautiful home family and it changes. Being so concerned about the baby when it swallowed poison that she would think it was her own very flesh and blood. Carrying the word, the living word. The waitress. Saw for those two years, I saw it off and on. She wanted to postpone her vacation so she could come to the funeral. She saw something in this person of acceptance for who she was, in the sense of how this woman was living somehow with the palm of the hand of a heavenly father, with a sense of peace and humor, even in the midst of some of the battles going on. Accepting us. Unconditionally, with unconditional love as a family. Today, before the funeral, I heard a book titled on KGIF called The Stretcher Bearer. If you've been for us the last few years, the Holy Spirit, you, they have lifted us up. I'm well aware of that. To the point where some years ago, the Father withdrew the sense of the Holy Spirit from me, and I cried out like David. Once I understood 
what was going on. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, and through you you have been very carrying us on love and on prayer through these years faithfully. The Lord knew, and you see, as he planned the whole thing out, that somehow we would need a congregation like this, who would love us and stand with us and weep with us and pray with us and fast and do all of those things. confused the Catholics, most of them. She just didn't fit the book. There was one. One who understood her down in San Antonio, but the rest there, certainly up here, didn't seem to understand her. One just came in this last time, but the time before, which is in the hospital beginning of June. You must really be afraid. Feeling afraid? Afraid? No, Mary was never afraid. I'm not afraid of death. Afraid to see my Savior's face? That fond embrace? No, she wanted to go on living. She wanted to go on living for a variety of reasons. But there is within us a deep thirst for life, but certainly never afraid of death. And so the chaplain couldn't get any place with that and still moved on and said, well, you must really be angry with God. No, God? The one who I call my father, our father, my daddy, I trusted him too long. There's too much water under the dam. He's brought us through too many things. How would I want to turn on this one who would give even his all for me in Jesus Christ? They didn't understand her. He didn't go by the book. That was Mary. She took also the gift of the Spirit, for she found in her own experience that even though she'd accepted the Lord as a teenager, that until she came in the power of the fullness and the baptism of the Spirit, she was not could not live about circumstances like she learned to do once she had that sense of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So she was constantly emphasizing the, these tools, these tools of praying in the Spirit, which we did so much these last two years. As I shared at one this week's service, I will never again apologize or minimize or rationalize praying and spirit of praying in tongues. I saw the power of it even in this last week. Oh, the Spirit interprets when our sides are too deep. How can you have words that you understand in those kinds of moments of agony and deep hurt, you need to pray in the Spirit. And she was concerned that as a congregation we understand the gift. In fact, I've gotten together with the leads only a couple of weeks ago to talk about this fall and having a quiet this was the first because she carried with her the empowering of Spirit and the gift of the Spirit to her life. What are you bringing these days? What do you look to? What motivates you? What transforms you? What enlivens you? What makes you look forward to each day? What symbolizes you? What are you depending on? Really? What are you sending? The word in the palm of his hand is what she took into his 
say. Today's a great pain. Day of expectancy. Day of wonder. But always, always, the word. Therefore, sickness. Cradle in the palm of your hand. The fork, you see. But where you're carrying, where you are, where you are, because there is one out to destroy your very life and soul, as it says in the text. He can destroy him anyway. He can destroy through affluence, as the Israelites found out. He can destroy through success. He doesn't care how he does it. But you can be sure there's one, if you are knowing the Lord today, he's out to destroy you. To destroy your faith and your love and your purpose. To destroy and to somehow get you out of being in this kind of position in your life where he knows if he can get you out of here, you are no match for him. Staying cradled in the palm of his hand, the hand the one who said the very hair of your head is numbered, and how much more precious, how I keep track of you. I was made off receptive of uh, Mark and Scott were when they shared at the funeral on Friday. That's how like that idea made. They're my son. Grand Canyon. Get used to her. It was good there to be there Thursday evening to be reminded. Mind that she is one of those endangered species. She's one of those seen spots that we had right in our own backyard and in our home through those years. For 33 years. That was the one perceptive thing. One of my boys. My boys. Oh, I'm so proud of those boys and that daughter. The other said it's war. There's been a war. You haven't read the gospel for the day. See, that's what it is. It fits in, you see, with what Edith Schaefer says in her book about the warfare that's going on and how we are. And it's Wednesday night we heard that warfare is constant. I came over early yesterday morning think and pray about the message, and I was led to look at Edith Schaefer's book on affliction. If you've never read that, you want to read it. And there's two chapters there that just all of a sudden came alive and came forth for me that I would share today those two thoughts. She said there's two museums in heaven. Rectangle A, Rectangle B, she calls them. Museum A and Museum B. And Satan attacked God's people through his attempts to make his children stop trusting their heavenly father, to get them to murmur and complain. He tries to find one thing at least where a child of God can cannot endure and continue to trust. And he tries with Job to find something in some way that somehow to get Job to curse God and to die. Saying Satan is working today.
victory for God against Satan is when one by one God's people continue to love and to trust in the midst of an unchanging circumstance. Nothing could separate us. Oh, how I love that number that the choir sang. Nothing can separate us. And I just love the words as they went through that. Life or death or things to come. I remember a few years ago when Miriam went along with New Vision. We went down for a weekend late ministry uh, at Hanska with my, with my answer to my father's prayer. He just wanted some to come and share, some white people. And so they came down there. I remember my wife sharing, even though it's eight years ago probably, she shared about the little, a little game that we sometimes play at Bible camp or other places, going on a bear hunt. And in going on a bear hunt, you come to that one place where you can't go around it, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you have to go through it. There are those things. And she, at that point, I suppose, was thinking of her, her sarcoid and her illness in her lungs, that there are those things that God said, I will not at this point take you around it or over it or under it, but I will take you through it. There you have to go through it. For you, Schaefer, Because I believe that there will be no type of affliction or suffering that someone has not lived through with victory supplied on the basis of the shed, shedding of the blood of Christ. I believe that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb will be demonstrated as having included a fantastic diversity of overcoming throughout history. It seems to me that the cup of victory will be complete. There is titanic meaning and purpose in our individual afflictions since the particular one Satan is hitting us with today has not been lived through before at any time in history, nor will it be again. There's no general type of affliction by which we can be categorized. We're individuals, and our afflictions are individual because of our own personal history, circumstances, and surroundings, and our personality with all its strengths and weaknesses. No one has ever had the set of afflictions you and I have. No one has experienced the same particular kind of frustrations or agony. The similarity is that we all do have afflictions of some variety and that we can't know what the next one is going to be. You won't have to go through what you went through or we went through with us and what. But every one of us, every one of us will have an opportunity to have a place in the GMA for he will give you he will give you some affliction that he's not going to have you go around or over or under, but he's saying, my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect in weakness, and I want you to go through this, even as with Paul and his agony with the thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. Paul pleaded, even as the one with Jesus, Jesus said, I want to go around it and over it and under it, and the Father said, no, Jesus, you need to go through the cross. Every one of us will have even at least in his arms, 
And we have different numbers of hairs on our head. Each experience will be unique. So in the museum, there will not be one thing, not one thing that Spanish points to and say, see, there's a grace worth not sufficient. His paper says this is the fabulous discovery of all discoveries that God is so fair that he enables each of us to have the opportunity to have outstanding things to do in his whole history of victory through the ages. Here is a vandal Satan trying to destroy all of God's creation and trying to smear and devastate the beauty of love and props and the continuity of the relationship between God and his people. You and I and each of the people of God through the ages have completely different and individual things to do which are equally important. Hers was not more important than yours will be in your victory. Your being able to show that the grace of God is sufficient in your circumstance, you will have that opportunity. None of us know it. Says which shot or illness, headache or operation, disappointment or disillusionment with a friend, criticism or other human attack, loss of job or loss of house and land, news of a close loved one's death or total destructive earthquake will turn out to be the most important opportunity we are ever going to have to honestly love God and truly trust, trust Him in a way which will bring Him joy and defeat faith. For every one of us, there will be that opportunity. This grace will have been sufficient in every conceivable kind of affliction, suffering, every kind of persecution. Satan will not be able to find a single thing in that museum for which the grace of God has not been sufficient for someone, somewhere, at some time. For the accuser, as it says in Revelation, the accuser of our brethren has passed down, was accused of before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved out their lives unto death. There's an gospel when he tells you in secret, shouts to the house, stop, by telling you what he told me in secret, God is good. God is loving. God is merciful. What he tells me, I'm telling you that life is good, but life is hard. What I'm telling you, there are those times when he said, I don't want you to go around it or over it, I want you to go through it to show that my grace is sufficient in the midst that one does not have to go through that to curse God and God. And so with Jim Elliot, he had him die a martyr's death down there on the beaches in South America. And so he didn't heal Johnny Erickson as though she is paralyzed and lives in a wheelchair. And so it goes on with a variety of people we know and don't know. So it was with my grandpa Homer, which I was reminded of when we went down to that cemetery and saw him stone there, reminded of that day when the binder accident took place and the horses 
that started to rot and burn and caught the finder caught him and he had a, just a little while to live and they took him home and laid him on the bed. He didn't say anything until he said, Here comes Jesus, and that's all he said. But he was really saying, God's grace is sufficient for whatever we do. They'll be in the museum. Joe, Jeremiah, anyone had to endure, wasn't bailed out. Paul. They'll be there. There's one destroyed. Be careful. Careful in our affluent age, and this is well use affluence and success and money and pleasure and gains and all the things and food and toys. To care less, what there's no time to fair play with anything to dissuade one from from staying in the hand of a heavenly Father. He tries to get us to believe that there's life apart from Him. So that we can break the commandments and somehow that we'll find freedom. So we can move out and be free. So we become like scared sheep. The moment is a little noise. He took the word, the living word, the power of the spirit. Every day that you live. He comes and says, You are the Son of God, prove it. How can a Christian have this kind of trouble? If you were really a child of God, wouldn't you wouldn't have such succession of difficulties? He that safer concludes the chapter on the DMA by saying, whatever your circumstances right now, whatever mine is, we have immediate opportunity to be defeating Satan and bringing glory to God. Ah, first by whispering to him, I love trust. And asking that he increases that trust in love. Second, by longing for an increase of truth within us that we say, not my will, but thine be done. Not mine, will, but thine be done in the middle of this period of exhaustion, this anxiety, this particular shot, this prison, this wheelchair, this set of bandages on our eyes, this kind of frustration, this violent dirty dishes, this lack of understanding, this attack by friends, this disappointment, this accident, this unbearable dull monotony, this unending succession of changes, whatever the immediate now is made up of, it is not after this is over we will have an opportunity to do something important for the war. It's not after the crisis passed. It's in the midst of the crisis that we have the opportunity to say, His grace is sufficient. His grace is made perfect in weakness. Now there's another museum. That's Museum B. That represents the instances throughout all history where it is shown that the things themselves were not impossible for God to change. Nothing's ever took place hard for God to answer. 
You can change circumstances. It can be that cup of victory. There were those who were left in prison. There were those who were delivered out of prison. Jeremiah said, Nothing is too hard for the Lord. With God, all things are possible. Victory is complete. God can point out the same one child being stoned and dying. God broke in love, but he can point to another being stoned and he has to be protected from dying. God can point, or Satan can point to one woman. Who is healed from cancer? Rod Jones, who shared the other night, prayed for in the Holy Land later. John Wimber, his magazine tells about a reporter who had a cardboard, came out in 15 minutes. Cardboard was gone. Seeing that. The saint will not be able to find one thing for which God has not been able to perform a miracle. And that's what Miriam was concerned we keep in perspective. Somehow we don't lose the dynamics of prayer. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. The trail of our lives should be a trail of answered prayer, for God answers prayer. God does do miracles. God, the thing will not be able to see one thing in this museum for which God didn't perform some kind of miracle. Healings in our family, I remember many of them. Remember when Donna was just a little baby, it was, they had an infected because she was in the hospital. The doctors couldn't get her fever down. I remember kneeling in that living room in 1502 George Street with tears streaming down my eyes and say, Lord, that's my girl. I remember a lump Mark's leg. Dust allergy first God. Kidney that was blown up like they do in the machine today that the Lord did for Marion once. As we knelt in prayer, no thanks for Remember when Mark was in junior high and wanted to go to a game, and he was sick Friday night, and he was sick Saturday morning, he was finally Saturday morning, he said, Yeah, I guess I'll have you and Mother pray. I came home two hours later, he was doing his Saturday vacuuming and ready to go to the game in the afternoon. Prayer is not academic, it's not psychology. God does do miracles. He will do miracles. We can't waver in our thinking. Satan's idea is to get us down and discouraged, to kill the soul of our prayer life and our desire to stand in the gap. So his paper says, form one an attempt, as in the case of Job, to cause him to complain against God or curse him and turn away. 
born tools that tempt us to take an academic view of prayer, excusing ourselves by hiding behind God's sovereignty from ever asking anything in the wide areas God has specifically told us to ask. Faith is a great unluxed seed in expecting changes in history as titanic as the removal of mountains. Both attacks are against the victory of Christ's sacrificial death. We matter in the battle. We matter to God moment by moment, day by day, through the months and years in the hidden places of our thoughts in our tiny cave or tent or room. We matter to Him. We are precious to Him. He does keep track of us. He does love us. He is good. He does answer prayer, and that was the concern that Mary somehow would be that we would continue to have even a bigger vision and be more diligent in prayer and intercessory prayer, standing in the gap. And there will be investment. Very cool. Whatever we plan, whatever we make, we make wars that we see. Bread provided, it'll all be there. It was a glorious day, a glorious two hours. I knew this was the day for the coronation. said, Lord, I need some sign that you really are it. Very graciously, I've done it for my father-in-law three years before. I remember on Mother's Day Sunday, the ambulance came to our home to take him to the hospital. Shortly, he was in a coma. In fact, he was in a coma when he went. And I went over there every day, a couple times a day, to see how he was doing, hoping I could be there when he would die, but really having no sense of when it would be. And we were concerned about him. He was a very quiet man lived and grew up in the Episcopal Church where you're not talking about your faith and love and that he was very supportive. He thought his son-in-law was the number one preacher in the world. He would always enjoy coming here. But we wondered about him. So I guess in our own way we were asking for a sign about him too. And so the following Sunday, the, the text was like on John 14. I'll never forget it was John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. So there was an urge in me, but after the first service, somebody saw her to run over to the hospital. 
had to go. So I went, went into his room, breathing about the same. So I read John 14, and then I prayed. When I finished praying, he breathed one. Very quiet, very peaceful. Between his bell and earth, and said, John, the leader. Turn up, she came in, he gone. You figure out the mathematics, the possibilities over a week and the hours, all that to come together except by one who numbers the hairs of our head and keeps track of us and loves us. And so I said, Lord, give me a sign. So I was, I knew. Today and then I began to set down down her hours and so for two hours I stood there holding her hand, strained. My legs usually are tired after twenty minutes of standing. I stood over two hours and I the same. I was being lifted up on eagle's wings and on the prayer and the love of you and many others. And I simply shared things that came to mind, crazy things. Now I lay me down to sleep. Every night when I went to sleep, I prayed that. When I was a little boy. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And again, songs came to mind. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And between, I would say, honey, he's coming. Coming. And as she was facing his window in the seventh door, seeing her eyes were starting to open as if she could peer into that other kingdom that is real. In scripture verses, though we pass through the waters, they won't overwhelm us in the fire, we will not be burned. For two hours I was praising her Lord, and I was telling her I love her, thanking her, sharing it all, trying to get share the vision I had for that room that he shared with a gold fence feeder right outside the window that she locked. Friends, there was be there. And I got more excited. It seemed to get closer. He's coming. He's coming on it. He's coming. Coming for you. One picture I'll never forget. Mark and Fred. Mark, my son, and Fred are her brothers standing arms around each other with tears coming down their faces. The two prodigals. So she had just logged on conditionally. And it prayed. And that was finished. That was a symbol of her life. Trying to unite people to one another and to the Lord. Suddenly, there was rain coming in the window. It came on to her face. And I turned 
the most brilliant shining, the reflection of the sun was in the window across the courtyard. Never seen as brilliant a reflection of the sun in any window. And all of a sudden I said, Honey, he's here! He was. He went. Just in case, stuck around for a little while. Are you sure? Some more. I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Is all our twist. Be wise. And having heard Father law and others who love the Lord, rather than being afraid, I get homesick. Because she said to me, they, Monday, when we found out that everything now. Bob ready. He saw how broken and he said, Honey, are you losing me? And all of a sudden, I said, Yeah, it's not for long. Life, but a breath, like a flash of light in this world. Someone said last Sunday that her death would bring life. Like wheat going into the ground, this kind it will bring forth great revival and renewal. This congregation will unite even more and grow deeper, have greater confidence in prayer, a greater zeal for the lost, a greater love for one another, to learn how to minister to one another as so faithfully minister to us and we're the stretcher bearers. So what are you carrying into each day? Do you know the reality of Jesus? Maybe you've never even met him at all. Today can be your day. You can come and kneel and Pastor Ridge or Glenda or somebody else will come and pray with you if you've never known the reality of that rest. What a great thing that would be. And all the angels of heaven would rejoice. And Miriam would say, what are you rejoicing about? They would say, because your death brought life, the reality of the living Jesus in someone's heart. Nestle or Rethel. You don't have to carry a lot of things into each day. Sometimes we get so loaded down. And as her and I said over and over, what life really narrows down to is relationship with him and with each other, family of God. Yeah, that. You're rich. You don't have that, you can have everything else. You're living in poverty.
Oh, how can I keep from singing? My life flows on an endless song above earth's lamentation. I hear the real, though far-off hymn that hails the new creation. No storm can shake my inmost call. I hear the music ringing, sounds and echoes in my soul. How can I keep from singing? It will bear you up. It will bear me up. On eagle's way. Keep up. And Paul, and let So you are precious. And he loves you. And he knows. He knows your pain know that his grace is sufficient to go through it or to be delivered from Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Again, the quality was maybe not so great, but the message itself made up for it. Special thanks to Lee Gonzalez, who has tirelessly transcribed the recordings and supported the establishment of this podcast. And it's not always easy for a father to admit when they get coaching and guidance from their son, but I really appreciated Spencer helping us out. His recording background and experience was really valuable. In fact, the today's music was from Spencer and his buddy CJ Smith. Thank you, gentlemen, we appreciate that. If you have any recordings of Pastor Lee that you would like to share on this podcast, please let us know. I can be reached at mark.keepthemainthing at gmail.com. Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you.